Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Sally Serves It Up podcast. We have had a total shocker this week. Um, So I'm recording this on Tuesday, and this will come out on the Thursday. So last night, our gorgeous puppy, well, he's one, our gorgeous dog, George, ate half a packet of raisins and had to, which are incredibly toxic to dogs and poisonous and can lead to kidney failure and essentially being put down. And um, he basically left, he was upstairs with um, my husband and I doing bedtime with the boys. And he normally likes to stay in Ralph's room until Ralph's gone to bed, which is really sweet. And I noticed him pottering down the stairs, which sort of before we had finished bedtime, which was unusual. And he went downstairs and then I hear Frank swearing after he had gone downstairs and shouting. Um, And yeah, he had taken a box of raisins from my handbag that had been on the floor. And I had walked past this handbag earlier in the day and thought, oh, I must move that because those raisins are toxic to dogs. I must even zip up the bag, you know. I just didn't connect the dots and I didn't do what I thought of doing at the time. I just was like, I closed the door and I thought, I'll just pick it up as I leave the room that I was in. And um, I didn't. And it led to this. So I was in absolute state last night, uh, crying, thinking I've killed our dog and um, my forgetful. I'm very forgetful often. And so my forgetful brain, I was just feeling guilt and awfulness and aware of how much we love George and how amazing he's been. And he's literally been such an amazing gift to our family that we had never planned to get a dog. And um, yeah, I just, I can't say enough amazingness about George and how easy he is and how lovely he is. And he's brought me and my husband even closer together. And I just adore him. So anyway, I just got the call. that he is going to be okay. We think he's doing well, responding to all the treatments he's having, all the fluids and, you know, they made him sick and now he's on these charcoal tablets. But anyway, I can't sort of pretend that this has not just happened because it's been a very huge thing and I had all the thoughts and um, and all the feelings. And I just want to, my only lesson that I feel like I want to share with you guys is do the thing that you think of doing when you think of doing it. Uh, don't think or trust that you will remember later because, you know, life happens and you forget. So this is my message. And also, if you don't know that dogs can't eat grapes or raisins or chocolate, there you go. Okay. So It's February 2nd when this is coming out, and I want to talk today about how to finish dry January. I did a podcast on how to do dry January, and believe it or not, there's a process to finishing it with so much more power and information and confidence in moving forwards. I don't think there's that much point in doing dry January, in taking a break from alcohol, if you don't do at least some of this reflection and intention work around it. So reflecting about what you experienced, how you found things, and then making intentional, deliberate decisions about how to move forwards. And that's because 
old habits die hard, especially when they involve dopamine and reward and pleasure. They are the last ones standing in the fight, or they're they're trying to be. And you need to be really on top of it with your brain in order to be the one that essentially wins at the end of it. To have genuinely changed your habits with alcohol to ones that you really like. This isn't about going sober. This isn't about never drinking. This isn't about villainizing alcohol. If anything, I mean, I don't do any of that. But it's about being intentional and creating the habits that you want to have and the way that you want to feel about alcohol. Because remember why you did it. Remember your compelling reason or reasons for taking a break. It's easy to forget about how you felt at the beginning of the month and why you wanted to take a break then, and then just kind of like fall back into old habits pretty quickly in February if you haven't made a plan. Being able to drink in moderation and feeling like you have the power over alcohol and that you can stop when you want to and that you can manage your desire for it. This is such a good thing. Like, how could it not be? So just bring your attention back to why you took the break. What was your reason or reasons for it? And ask yourself if they compelled you. Did they help you move through the break and anchor you to your goal? And if not, why not? Like, what do you think it could have been instead? And will you use that new, updated, tweaked, shiny reason to move forwards with alcohol in some way? Always having a vision or a goal around your vices, if you want to call them that, but those things that you know you have strong desire for or use as a way to manage your emotions. Having a goal, having like an intended structure always helps and knowing the reasons why you have that goal and why you have that plan. So most of you will be starting to drink again in one way or another. And I really encourage you to still like set a goal around it, have reasons for how you want to drink that motivate you and to keep assessing whether those reasons compel you um, in the way that you want them to. And if they don't, be curious, adapt, try, like learn and just keep evolving forwards instead of feeling like you're like pedaling backwards. I also encouraged you in the podcast to write down a list of obstacles for when not drinking would be hard, for when saying no to a drink would be challenging and write down solutions or strategies for each of them. So did you find those solutions helpful? What worked? What didn't? What was going on in those moments where it was hard? And if you had to think back to the sentences that were running through your mind, what was happening? What would have helped you in hindsight? And can you write down those new strategies to help you with your urges and cravings and challenges moving forwards? Just be honest with yourself. Because unless you come up with strategies for moments when following through with your intentions might be hard, the thoughts in your brain that are running on repeat in order to perpetuate all of those old drinking habits will just keep going like a song that you can't get out of your head. And you're never going to intentionally interrupt that habitual behavior 
And without doing that, you're never going to meaningfully begin to change the habit. You're never going to start stretching um, what's possible and start poking holes in the way that you kind of, your brain has tried to like automate your behavior. So just be honest with those obstacles, understand them. Like, was it certain um, social situations or certain people or certain emotions that you were feeling that really created the desire for alcohol? And in understanding the problem, you are so intelligent and amazing and clever, you can come up with a solution and try it out for next time. And also think about making drinks plans. Like, did you do that? Did you find it helpful? I know that after nearly two years of doing this work, making plans, writing them down is so powerful. And I think that it can seem small and boring and people really underestimate it because it is so mighty and compelling and your brain loves the instruction. It doesn't matter if you find it boring. Boring is fine. We can do boring. And then just think about if you did make a drinks plan, did you follow through on them? Did you find them helpful? How did they make you feel? Will you keep doing them? I really encourage you to continue with always being intentional around alcohol. No matter what you want to do with your drinking next, always planning. And even when you want a big one, so to speak, I feel so much better when I'm just honest with myself that I fancy like a bit of a hedonistic, buzzy vibe experience. And I know I'm signing up for a hangover and I write down more than just one or two glasses of wine. And I really do enjoy it so much more for that. My brain and my body are aligned because I haven't had all this resistance building up in me thinking I shouldn't drink or that I shouldn't have any desire to to want that sort of real like kind of hedonistic night out. Um, And I haven't been trying to like push away my desire. I've intentionally planned some alcohol in a way that speaks to the the desire that I have. um, And I have no problem with it. I feel totally in control of my desire um, at the end of the day and I get to enjoy it. And because I'm not thinking, oh, oh my God, we're doing something we shouldn't go, go, go. And like, look at all this reward, look at all this dopamine, keep going, keep going. And I'm then having shame and guilt for sort of doing think, doing something I think I shouldn't be doing. I, and then drinking even more to buffer away all of that uncomfortable emotion. It's like you just enjoy it. You get to enjoy the fun and it be that. And you actually, I think, end up drinking less at the end of the day if you just have an honest, open conversation with yourself where you don't judge what you want your relationship with alcohol to be and you um, are able to manage it in this way. So with drinks plans, understand how you found them, how you want to tweak them. And I really encourage you to keep going with it and keep experimenting and see what happens. Because it's all part of also like if you can make a plan and learn how to honor it and follow through with it, 
it starts to really strengthen that as one of your skills. And so anything that you write down, you like as something you're going to do, you know that you're going to follow through on it. And that can just be so unbelievably, incredibly effective and powerful for anything else in your life. Like if you write down that you're going to work out, you just follow through with it. So that's why, that's one of the many reasons why planning is so incredible. And finally, in that episode about dry January, I brought your attention to managing your desire for alcohol and how to notice it and understand it and allow it to be there without reacting to it or resisting it um, or essentially like giving it, rewarding it. Opening up the doors and inviting in that desire, like allowing the urge to be there. And I'm going to think, I'm thinking about last Saturday when it was my son's eighth birthday party and I had 14 kids in my house. And I am not that mum who enjoys that really on any level, <laughs> but it went well. Um, but I certainly had stress about it and I felt my energy. It was like I felt kind of like I had been vacuumed of energy. Um, And then in the evening, we went to a really fun Burns night party and it was a total vibe. And I wasn't drinking because I'm doing this 50 day break. And you can be sure that I had desire for alcohol that night. I understood why. I understood what I was thinking, what I was feeling and what I wanted to do to make myself essentially feel better. But I just sat with it all. I allowed it in, drinking my Kylie 0% sparkling wine. And after my initial urge at the beginning of the party, it all settled and I got into it and it was fine. And as we walked home, I was so truly delighted thinking that I had moved through those urges, that I honored my plan and my commitment to my goal. And I thought about what I was going to be able to do the next day um, because my brain wouldn't be all foggy and I wouldn't have any sort of sugar or flour cravings. And I was just so happy. So I had urges. I let them in. I knew they were coming. It's not a problem. And I mentioned to you about thinking new thoughts that you can have in those moments when you establish the feeling of desire and you establish the feeling of urge. So things I was thinking on Saturday night was like, this will pass. This is totally normal. Of course, I want to drink. I know I can do this. That's all. Very simple. And I just kept all of those thoughts running on repeat, especially at the beginning of the party. Like, you know, when I'm feeling more socially anxious, I just made sure I was also breathing deeply. um, And I went to the loo and I would just sort of always take a little bit of a minute to really just look after myself and be like, you've got this, take some deep breaths. Because I do get overwhelmed. I do get socially anxious in those sort of situations. And I think that's why I've often used alcohol in the way that I have previously. Um, And that's what I really love the opportunity of that not drinking creates. It allows you to get to know yourself better and allows you to take care of yourself in a way that really serves you. So 
did you do thought work and practice trying out new thoughts in moments of desire? What was successful? What worked for you? What didn't? And thinking of the next best thought you can have after the one that isn't serving you. So like, I need a drink can go to, of course I want to drink, but I don't need to have one. Like if that changes how you feel, if that lowers the intensity of the urge, just practice it because it's something that you believe. It's something I certainly believe. Like, of course I want to drink, but I don't need to have one. That's not a fact that I need to have one. My body doesn't need one. I am, I can look after myself and trying it all out. Like seriously, imagine trying on thoughts, these new thoughts, like trying on a coat and seeing how it fits. And you might have to try on three before you find your perfect one. It takes practice, but once you get some wins, you can start repeating the thoughts that worked for you. And in those wins, you will have also taught your brain new behavior. And it will then offer you less of the old thinking and more of the new thinking and create less like habitual desire over time. And by that, I just mean go go to a party equals desire for alcohol. Like the intensity of that desire will go down as you create more evidence that you can do it. You can still have a good time, that the urge is not a problem. And it all just starts to deflate a lot of the energy around it. Okay. So I also wrote some journaling questions on my Instagram that I will just go over here um, and I'll add a few comments as I go. So there are seven questions. Number one was, how did you find taking a break from alcohol? Consider what you thought and how you felt as you moved through your break. What was easy? What was hard? Even if you just did this one question, like that is amazing information to know. What did you learn about yourself and about your drinking habits? So understanding maybe your character, the way that you think more, and also the way that the habit works, seeing it in that way is super helpful. Number three, why are you deciding to drink again? Do you like your reasons? This is not a trick question. It is very, very helpful to ask yourself after any break, whether it's from sugar or alcohol or flour, like, why are you... Why are you stopping the break? And I don't have an agenda for you. This is just about liking your reasons because it prevents so much future shame. You know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and you like your reasons. And if you don't like your reasons, that's something to bring so much attention to or bring it to coaching because, of course, you want to like any of the action that you're taking in your life. Um... And your relationship with alcohol is completely like unique to you and there's no right or wrong. It's all available to you to decide. So only what you feel will serve you in the long term is what is right for you. I I don't, I can't prescribe what I think is right for you. So just connecting with understanding why you want to drink again whether you like your reasons, having reasons that you like, um, so that you can just like really have so much more buy-in. 
And it doesn't have to even be some big lofty transformation and big lofty reasons, like just connecting with what you want to be able to do the next day if you decide not to drink tonight or what you want to be able to do over the course of a month if you cut your drinking in half that month. Like what 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 goals might you have? What why might um, deciding to drink again and your reasons for it? And understanding how you want to drink, how might it all work for you and just being totally on board with it. Number four, is there anything you did during your break that you will keep doing, like planning or thought work or having goals around drinking? Number five, is there anything you want to decide to stop doing with alcohol? Like any decisions you can make about alcohol that... um will serve you in the long term. What did it feel like to have the urge to drink and not reward it? That's number six. This is really important because you will now have evidence that urges are okay, that they don't hurt you. It's fine that they're there. (laughs) They don't actually mean anything was wrong. You can sit with them and everything will be okay. And Urge work, as I call it, is something, is it something that you're willing to do more of moving forwards so that maybe you can learn to feel more discomfort in your body without reacting it to it in a way that doesn't serve you, without buffering it away with food or alcohol or shopping or procrastination. Um, teaching your brain that, sorry, teaching your brain that a drink isn't always the answer that's going to get you what you want ultimately. And incorporating urge work as a way to learn to make things more neutral. Um, Like this is just an urge, this is just liquid in a glass and teaching your brain new thoughts to manage urges. It will create just more and more evidence over time of your amazing possibility and capability and power as you are able to sit with urge and desire and cravings, which are just like any uncomfortable emotion. They feel like shit in your body and you want them to go away and you want to panic and think something's wrong. And just increasing your capacity to sit with those negative emotions will open up your strength and resilience and just capacity for more and and open up the doors for your growth, essentially, and a way to evolve as a person. And then number seven, finally, is what's next when it comes to you and alcohol? So this is where I want you to be intentional and try to write a plan for how you want to do things, if that's something that really compels you. Um, If writing a plan doesn't appeal to you, don't do it. But, you know, see, maybe ask yourself why it doesn't appeal to you. So the way to think about this is kind of like I like thinking that I'm an artist. And imagining yourself in five years' time, how does your ideal vision of yourself drink? How does she show up for dinner parties, for like an intimate meal with a friend, big social occasions like weddings or birthdays? How does she deal with Friday nights or a stressful day at work? Imagine the version of yourself that shows up to all of these things and drinks in the way that you would ideally like her to. What is that way? 
How does it feel? And what would you need to do now in order to move closer to that vision? It's about imagining that person and thinking things like, like and, and imagining that person and thinking the things that they think. <clears throat> like, I'm someone who can take it or leave it when it comes to alcohol and not have strong des- strong desire to drink as a coping mechanism. Or it can be, I'm someone who enjoys alcohol that I like the taste of on my terms. Or I don't overdrink or drink in a way that feels beyond my control. Um, or I can easily take a break from alcohol. Like whatever it is, imagine your future self how she looks, how she feels, what she does, even like what she's wearing. I love doing all of that and how she drinks and connect with her and make a plan for your drinking now that moves you closer to that identity that is already somewhere in you because you already imagined her. So connect with that and think about just moving closer to her every day, but you can't move closer to her and you can't have a drinking plan if you haven't identified who she is. And this is how you are creating a life of intention, a way of drinking that's of your design and a way of living that you are totally on board with and feel like you know what direction you're going in. So that is it for now um, on how to finish dry January. And I just want to encourage you, no matter how it went, no matter if you drank um, and didn't plan to, or you cut it short for whatever reason, do not judge your dry January experience. It's your beautiful experience that you can learn so much from because you will learn nothing from judgment. Judgment literally is the thief of curiosity and of learning. So be proud of yourself for doing it in whatever way you did. Proud of yourself for trying and connecting with wanting to give your body and mind that break from alcohol, however long, and for doing this work so that you can create a relationship with alcohol, which you love, which you feel really aligned with and like motivated and happy about. And if you have any questions, please let me know. I would truly love to hear from you. If you ever want to take any of this further with some one-to-one coaching, I have packages to suit almost everyone, in my opinion. So email me, sally at sallywebstercoaching.com and see how you can really change your mindset to create the results that you really want in your life. Okay, I'm going to go do something about this uh, this throat and this sort of slightly husky voice I've now got. Um, have a beautiful week, my friends. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you soon. Bye.